First, you must understand what this question is driving at. What, you know, what is it hinting at? Try to understand what the question is, um, the intention of the question is very important. It's not a mantra, it's not just a, a mental method or something. And actually, there cannot be any answer mentally or conceptually or intellectually to the question, who am I? There cannot be, because upon hearing it, you see, but it's just another idea, it's just a concept. I, I can, I'm here to hear it. So it cannot give me what I am, the, any answer. So then I say, if there is no answer to the question, who am I, then what is the purpose of the question then? It cannot be merely to engage in intellectual debate. The question must be an opportunity for an introspection, isn't it? To find out you know, what arises here uh, as, as the feeling I. And the reason why the question is important is because everyone assumed I to be a person. Even people in spirituality for a long time, they are not only speaking, they are behaving as though I am just a person, you see. And it cannot help it. It betrays their, the fact that it has not yet um, been understood in the heart what this question is pointing to. I say, what we are speaking about is totally, totally possible and available. I don't want to say, yeah, if you keep on next month, next year. No. It is, you are already this. But the orientation of the mind and the attention is to identify as being person and body. And so, I try to expose this, so that you actually experience through insight that that is incorrect, that the identity is. You actually experience this, not think it. Yes. But uh, here comes another question, that is, uh, before it becomes internalized, mm. should we go through this process of uh, thinking, repeating ourselves, reminding ourselves? Mm -hmm. now, this is the purpose of the satsang, in yes. fact. Because mm, it's not in many cases, although it's possible to yes. convey or that something gets ignited in a conversation like this, yes. more often than not, it will take a slow immersion in the environment of satsang. Because as you sit, even quietly, even without questions, as you sit in satsang, it begins to stir up the dormant tendencies, they begin to come to the surface. And it can f take many different forms. You can feel a lot of resistance sometimes, fear can come. Then you are reminded that they are just momentary, it's okay. They cannot exist apart from the one who watches them, and keep on pushing the attention back on the weakness of it. Because what tends to happen is that we go to the story of it, to the movement, and we are saying, oh no, this is happening, this is happening. I'm saying, that, but what is watching it? And then somehow you, you're, you're forced back into the recognition of yourself as the, the seer or the perceiver of what is coming on. And gradually this just takes hold inside the consciousness. And as soon as that becomes increasingly clear for you, then the pull of the external becomes very weak. And what is left is just the, the vibration of presence. And this is very, very important. Because that is direct experience, that's not a thought, you see. It's like you begin to feel your natural being again, which is not coming from outside. It's just that 
we're removing the artificial layers that's, that's been somehow engaging the attention, and what you're left with is the resonance of being. This is important. So you say, until your question was, like, until this happens, until it becomes conviction, do we have to keep on using the mind and so on? Sometimes people don't realize that they are more ready than they think. Some people come to satsang just as a kind of curiosity and uh, see, and then somehow quickly, quickly, they start to feel the the curiosity, the deep curiosity from the heart to to find out more, to go deeper. And then there are other people who have been maybe studying spirituality for a long time, but it's become too mental, and then somehow they get a bit stuck in the mentality. So there are different uh, responses can come from different people. So um, if someone comes and you ask a question like you, until this conviction happens, must we continue using uh, the mind to turn it to you? You can say then to turn it towards the activity of uh, practicing inquiry, or if you have a devotional temperament also, that you keep on, you know, handing over your sense of autonomy to the supreme power, because both of them take us to the same place, yes. to to just the absence of the domination of the egoic mind. Either you surrender to God because it feels this is more natural for you. Maybe some people start to surrendering and gradually come more into the inquiry. Some people start inquiring and they find that they, they start to feel a more devotional feelings and to acknowledge and sort of like uh, cooperate with the inner directing of, of the consciousness. But I have no doubt that if someone is coming and they have the somehow the right attitude, right attitude doesn't mean outer behavior only. It means like inwardly something is curious, or sometimes just by sitting quietly, we begin to feel again the the kind of spiritual mood inside, and then something gives you that confidence that I'm in the right place. I want to continue being available for this experience or something like this. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's totally possible for everyone to recognize mm-hmm. what you already are. Because there is no doubt we are that. Whether you want to call it Christ Consciousness or Buddha Nature or Shiva Being, whatever, it's the same thing. Yes. But, but the purpose, I would say, of this life is to recognize this consciously, to, to feel it, to know it again. Not a theory, but that you are that. That even the knowledge and you are not separate. They are, they are one thing. And I feel totally this is um, possible. Perhaps the, I would put it as the highest attainment of human being is to recognize again that. Because knowing it, you are free from psychological oppression, from depression, from fear, anxiety. Yeah, it's, it's the most beautiful and natural state of human beings. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I have a small doubt. Please, yes. Is it a sort of process or it just happens? I... It is both. It's both. I mean, what is. Let's understand something. We put a lot of emphasis on the happening of colonizing. 
on the happening, <clears throat> like it's an event. But actually, what you are is not an event. The event is only the recognition of it. You see, the, 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 the happening is not oh, awakening, no. The, the happening is the recognition of what is timelessly awake. Even, I don't want to call it awake or asleep, it's beyond every quality. And I say, don't use your imagination too much, because imagination will start to create images about it. It is, uh, our inherent nature is so pure, and actually nothing can dirty it. It's only through dreaming, it's only through illusion, we come into the feeling that, that we have lost something. And this will become very clear for you, as you come again into the direct recognition again of what is just here. It is actually the most simple thing. But because we are so attached to our mental processes, it appears to be very complex. But it itself is not complex or complicated. What we are is completely, not even simple can define it. It's pure, it's perfect. But this is, for me, a total fact. What stands in the way of that recognition is just the belief in our identity and our conditioning. That's the only thing that can appear to, to, to blur it. But even this blurring of it is not true. It's only imagination. And I feel that somehow we are attached to our imagination. Because somehow, in the beginning, we had no we had no qualities that we were attached to. We are just a pure, perfect uh, beingness. But with identification first with the I principle, and then the I am the body idea, then every other concepts began to come in. And so we acquired all this conditioning, and then you believed in the conditioning, then you became attached to the conditioning. At the same time being attached, we are suffering the conditioning at the same time. And uh, eventually, somehow, for whatever, no one can actually say exactly why, something begins to turn your attention this way more than so out. Once we become mm, attached to the conditioning, there comes a fear that without our conditioning, we are lost. But it's just another illusion. With, without your conditioning, you are totally free. But when I say without your conditioning, I don't mean you have to kill your conditioning. I mean only that you have to understand that your conditioning is only a, a garment over you, that it cannot exist without you, the consciousness, being aware of it. And so in satsang, you are again coming again and again into the reminding that you are just a consciousness. And not just, it's not a mental. Um, recognition. Its uh, recognition happens inside the heart. And it can happen also just by being present. Just by being present. It's not necessarily... Some people, they want to ask questions, but they don't yet have a question. So I said, no, no, nothing is expected of you. You're very, the very fact that you are present here is already you're inside the inquiry. And gradually, a question may come for you. 
Or you may just continue benefiting from the approaches of other people and the responses that come. Because we are speaking about one common being, everybody's question relates to you. You see? Like this. Because it's not in the end, you cannot just solve a problem personally. Because the person itself is illusory. You see? So we don't focus so much on the person, person, so to push you back into your impersonal consciousness. And that itself uh, takes care of all the rest spontaneously, automatically. And this is the beauty of uh, self-recognition. So I sometimes encourage people to come and be in this environment for a little bit. If you can take a bit of time, a few days, immerse yourself in it without any expectations. Just be present. And the workings of grace is going on by itself. Clarifying, purifying, encouraging, deepening, pulling out whatever is happening spontaneously. But what I wanted to put in front of everyone, totally possible. And these days, uh, it's not so attractive, in the true sense, uh, for people to um, to try and control the mind. These are ancient techniques. They they didn't really work actually. They worked for short periods of time while we were engaged in that practice, whether it's pranayama or vipassana or whatever, or chanting or so on, they help to refine the consciousness and to deepen the meditative quality of the consciousness. But it was not totally reliable, you see. Now, just the inquiry is very immediate, very direct <clears throat> way. And, but it has to repeat itself. It has to repeat. And, because the attention keeps going back again yes. to the past, yes. keeps going back again to reference points yes. in the mind. And each time you have to be pulled back to say, but you're, you're observing that. That is the lesser, you are the greater, remember. And you keep checking in and confirming. But, but this is, of course, it is true. It's like we are putting a lot of attention to try and control what is by nature relative and constantly in flux. So you just need to be aware of this movement without becoming uh, emotionally involved with it or becoming attached to whatever it is that appears uh, for us. But that support also comes uh, through satsang. It continues to, to keep on pushing you back into, the, into, your, into your natural state. And each time the mind arises up again, you go towards the mind again, it reminds you to come back. Just keep checking in. And gradually the power of the mindset begins to relax. It comes again in back inside the heart, which is its origin is there. Mm-hmm.
space where the truth is actually contained? Is there any space where the truth is contained? Actually, the truth pervades everything, but nothing can contain it. The truth is pervading everything, but nothing can contain it because it has no limit. It has no, it has no limit, has no boundary, has no shape. It is not limited by time or space. In fact, time and space are concepts arising out of it, but it is really untouched. It's very important to, to, to know this because for many people, they imagine that the truth is like some sacred cluster of concepts. But truth is beyond the concepts. No concept can no concept is self-employed. It cannot exist by itself. A thought cannot think itself. It's completely inert. It arises and the consciousness somehow engages with it and infuses life in the very concept that it then embraces and then suffers from the relationship with that concept. That is, we are so involved in the contents of the thought that we don't understand where it rises from. Yes, yes. But that error is only secondary. Because that error, that secondary mistake, can only come because there's a mistake earlier than that. And the mistake that is earlier than that is that you take yourself to be yes. the one who is changeful. Okay. You see? As soon as that identity, I am this person, this is me. I am this body. I am separate from you. I need my space. All of these things can come. You see? And all beings are touched by this conditioning anyway. It's just now to it's not whether or not we are conditioned. It depends on how deep the conditioning is. And as soon as we are more aware of our spiritual nature, as as the observer of all things, because this can be proven that you are the witness of everything, and without you, nothing is there. Yes. As soon as this becomes a fact for you, everything has become easy. Everything has become easy. So, the the primary mistake is, uh, and I say it's a mistake. It is a designed mistake. It's not the supreme made a mistake. No, it is a design. It's like somehow it's as though we were intentionally meant to fall into the the spell of Maya. And now to kind of wake up out of that spell. That is what life is. And actually life itself is spirituality. All of life is satsang. But we don't realize this. Every being is on a spiritual journey. But they don't realize it. And some are realizing, ah, but my life cannot just be about paying bills and having a family and uh, getting another car. It cannot be about this. It has to be something much, much more profound. And uh, moment by moment, beings are coming to that recognition more deeply. And the more you are discovering that, it is like the greater your world is. You know, your inner space becomes totally expansive. You are not clinging to any concepts, any belief systems even. You don't really need it. Your nature is so pure, it doesn't need to save anything. All things come out of it.
So um, uh, there is a great joy in, in sharing these things, reminding ourselves about it. Because in recognizing it, there's nothing but space and joy, freedom. We, it was never meant that any human being would be dominated by concepts. It was a slow fall. Most falls are fall, fast. But our fall is like the falling of a feather. It's slowly falling from, in a way, from grace in a sense, falling more into the depth of identification, into delusion somehow. So because it's slow, in a sense, we don't, we don't question it. it. It gradually got absorbed in our consciousness, and the consciousness merged with the mind and personal identity somehow, and then forgot its original state. And in satsang, it's being reminded again that, but I am not that. I am not this. And so it's not that we get rid of the world, because the world also is divine, somehow. Yes. Hmm? But it's more that you lose your delusion about it. You lose your attachment, because it was never necessary for us to be attached. In the play, it was we were compelled to be attached, because of identity. But in the state of reawakening, it's as though somehow you realize, but my original nature is not attached and does not need to be attached. Then you can have all the senses functioning. All of that can be there, taste and smell and feel and touch and all of this can be there. But it is not dominating the consciousness. The consciousness is not addicted to the senses. It's not even addicted to experience. But experiences can be there. But they won't overwhelm you. Nothing will overwhelm you. Because you, now you've understood your real nature again. You see? Then everything is in the correct proportion. You're not underneath anything at all.